going on, people? Welcome to episode six of But I Digress. As always, I'm your host, known as Warned by Some and Chris by Others. As I'm sure you guys figured out, we took a break for the holiday last week. Most people took off from work. I was off from work, and so we took a week off for the podcast as well. But we got some pretty good stuff, especially with having two weeks off. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team and their recent uh, FIFA Women's World Cup victory. We're going to talk about the new Spider-Man Far From, Far From Home movie. We're going to talk about Procter & Gamble and their new commercials about bias. And we will also get into something that happened with a hospital patient about 100 miles outside of Chicago. But before we do any of that, as always, let's start with Today in History. In 1976, sorry, in 1776, we had the statue of King George III pulled down in New York City. Uh, 1776 should be a date that sounds familiar to most of us, especially coming off the 4th of July holiday. That was the year that the Declaration of Independence was signed, and looks like just a few days later, uh, we took down the statue of King George III. Uh, we also had Arthur Ashe born in 1943. Uh, Arthur Ashe is pretty important in the history of sports as well as African American history. Uh, he was the was and was the first African American male to win the U.S. Open, the first to win the Australian Open, and the first to win Wimbledon. Uh, not only was he the first, but to this day he is still the only African American male to win any of those three tournaments. So super huge for integration in professional sports in America. And as we can see with tennis being one of the more lucrative sports and the people who playing who play it being of a higher socioeconomic class, we have still seen quite the separation uh, where we have not had an African-American man win since the 60s. And as we all know, Venus and Serena have won in recent years, but they have also been the only ones to win majors as well as far as African-American women. Uh, we also have in 1962, the U.S. Patent Office issues a patent to Nils Bolin of Sweden for the three-point seatbelt. Uh, really important for safety in modern motor vehicles, and he actually stated when he received the patent that he intended it for use especially in motor vehicles, and we see that in every car today that they have that three-point seatbelt, and so we have to thank Nils Bolin for that. In 1978, World News Tonight premiered. That was the first time, the first ever episode of World News Tonight, uh, which was a, sh a new show on ABC, and the host was Max Robinson. Max Robinson was the first black anchor on a network newscast in the U.S. Uh, thanks to World News Tonight. And in 1999, on July 10th, which is today. Uh, the United States beat China in the FIFA Women's World Cup 5-4 to four on penalty kicks after uh, the game was tied 0-0 after regulation and extra time, which is how you say overtime in soccer. Um, and it was the second World Cup victory for the U.S. women, and that was the third overall World Cup. So with that being said, we're actually going to get into this year's World Cup. So the U.S. women won the 2019 World Cup. And for those of you who may not be huge soccer fans, that's really important because it is the biggest soccer tournament in the world. The Women's World Cup happens every four years, as well as the men. They generally take place a year apart. So last year we had a Men's World Cup. 
uh, France was victorious. And then this year we had a Women's World Cup in which we were victorious. So us winning this year's World Cup was big for a lot of reasons. The first of which being it is the fourth time the U.S. has won. And just for a little context, the Women's World Cup started in 1991. We won the first one. We won again in 99, and then we won in 2015, so we actually repeated. And the Men's World Cup started in 1930. So over the course of the many, many Men's World Cups that have been happening every four years since 1930, the Brazilian men have won five. They have won more World Cups than any other country. And Germany and Italy have each won four. Now, the U.S. women have also won four, but their World Cups didn't start until 1991. So we're talking about this program being arguably the most dominant soccer program, men or women, uh, in the history of FIFA, which is the global soccer governing organization. And this World Cup was also big for the women because they set a ton of records. It was an unprecedented World Cup. So they scored the most goals in a single match, and that's for men or women's World Cup history with 13 in their first match against Thailand. Also in that first match, they recorded the highest margin of victory, uh, a 13-goal margin. Uh, That's for men's and women's as well. Um, We also had Alex Morgan, who has sometimes served as a team captain, uh, basically co-captain. We have two captains on the U.S. team. Uh, Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan. You can see either of them as captains of the game. And Alex Morgan scored five goals in that Thailand match. And that was tied for the most in a single Women's World Cup match. She tied Michelle Akers, who played the same position that she plays for the U.S. in 1991. So the U.S. owns both of those records. Moving on from the Thailand match, uh, we also had the first female coach, Jill Ellis, to win two World Cup championships. And not only is she the first female, but there's only been one other coach, male or female, to win two titles. And that was Italy's Vittorio Pozzo, who won two titles in 1934 and 1938. It is widely believed that Jill Ellis will remain the coach of the U.S. Women's National Team for the next World Cup. And it's also widely believed that the U.S. will be the favorite, so she could become the, uh, as far as titles are concerned, winningest head coach in the history of the FIFA World Cup, men or women's. We also had the women um, record the most consecutive World Cup wins at 12, dating back to the 2015 World Cup, and they actually haven't lost since the 2011 final, where they lost to Japan. Uh, in 2015, they did have a nil-nil, which is 0-0 in soccer terms, draw with Sweden in the group stage. Um, so obviously that doesn't count as a win, but it also doesn't count as a loss. So they've gone, they haven't lost a game in their last 14 World Cup matches, and they've won outright 12 straight. They also scored the most goals in a single Women's World Cup uh, with 26. Keep in mind that they only played seven games. So 26 is a lot of goals, and a German team, I can't quite recall the year, and the 1991 uh, U.S. women's team had the previous record at 25, so they broke that record. We also had Rose Lavelle, who was 
breakout star for this year, become the second youngest woman to score in a Women's World Cup final. Uh, the person who was the youngest is Alex Morgan, who we mentioned earlier. And then we also had Megan Rapino at age 34, become the oldest woman to score in a Women's World Cup final. So lots of records were broken. And if you're one of the people who, like most of the country, uh, had World Cup fever, similar to last year when everybody talked about how great a World Cup it was, even though the U.S. men were not in it. Uh, this year we had something to root for, and you didn't have to just pick a team like you did last year because the U.S. team was in it. The women were amazing. We had them start off the tournament with a 13 to nothing win, and then in the second match, uh, Joe Ellis, the coach, decided to play almost all of the backups to start the game, and they played most of the game. And a lot of people said that it was her taking the competition lightly. And when asked about it, she talked about wanting to make sure that everybody on the team had some World Cup experience so that if they needed to be called upon, uh, they would be able to step in and be able to perform at the same level as the people who were starting the games regularly. And that actually proved to be a smart decision, as in the final, she had to bring in one of the backups after, um, after one of our defensive players got a concussion. And it was a defensive player who, in Kelly O'Hara, is a mainstay on that back line. And she, of the game she had started, she had played all of the minutes. So for her to go out at halftime and Allie Krieger to have to step up and be able to play at the same level, it showed that Jill Ellis was smart by allowing that team to play. The U.S. women also went through a lot of controversy for celebrating goals when they were up 13-0, and Alex Morgan in the semifinal match against England scored a goal and did a celebration that was mimicking sipping tea. And those of you who know about American history know about the tension with tea between us and Great Britain. And what they did was... First of all, normal in soccer. Anybody who's watched soccer, especially on an international stage, knows that these celebrations can get a little bit ridiculous by some other standards, which is perfectly fine because the amount of times that you score in soccer is significantly less than that of any other sport, especially individually. Not to mention how often teams score where we often see games that are 0-0, 1-0, 3-0. And you see players where they say, Oh, yeah, they've played 150 international matches and scored 13 times. So with how rare it is for somebody to score, A, how often the World Cup happens, which is only every four years, B, and the hard work that you put in for your entire life to get to the pinnacle of your sport, for you to score at that level, even if, like Alex Morgan, it's the fifth time you scored in that game, that doesn't make the accomplishment any less. So they handled it with class and grace as they should have. And many former soccer players who didn't have any grudges against the U.S. did not begrudge them for their celebrations and the way they handled it. And uh, the celebrations weren't actually the only controversy. We also had controversy with Megan Rapinoe, where she had stated that she didn't want to visit the White House. And there were videos uh, that people brought up from 2016 and from earlier this year before the World Cup happened, trying to say that it was recent and her stance hasn't changed on that. And it's one of those things, as we talked about in the last World Cup, or sorry, in the last podcast, that 
not a big deal. Athletes don't want to go to the White House. So, again, handled with class and grace. And as they've been on this victory tour, uh, they appeared on Good Morning America yesterday. They're going to be on the ESPYs tonight, which, reminder, today is July 10th, so they'll be on the ESPYs tonight. Uh, Meg Rampino was on Rachel Maddow's last night. Uh, so if you didn't see that interview, I'm sure if you YouTube Megan Rapino or Rachel Maddow, you can watch that. It was really entertaining and also very enlightening. Uh, they've been able to handle their the spotlight and their platform uh, to advance the causes that they have taken up. And so as a team, uh, one of the things they've talked about is their pay and that they are not being paid at the same rate as the men's team, despite not only bringing in similar amounts of revenue, but actually being more successful on the field. And there were actually chants uh, after they won in France. It started with the common USA, USA, and quickly morphed into equal pay, equal pay, where it's been something that they've been fighting uh, since before the previous World Cup where they won. Um, and now they've been able to show statistics to prove that they deserve it. But the point of all of this is, if you got swept up in the World Cup, awesome, congratulations to you. Don't forget, we also have the 2020 Olympics where we'll get to do this all over again with this team. And if you're wondering what you can do to support these teams, the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, does exist. There are nine teams across the country. If you live kind of west in the western parts of the country, you're not going to have as much access. But if you live anywhere that's considered Midwest or East, there's probably a team somewhat near you. All 23 of the players on this roster play in that league. Uh, You can look it up if you just Google NWSL, see where the closest team is to you, Uh, watch the games on... You can stream all of them on Yahoo. You can... Now ESPN is a sponsor and watch some of them. Um, I believe it's at least one game a week on ESPN. And obviously buy merchandise and things like that to support it. Uh, if you love these this team like most people came to do over the course of the last month watching the World Cup, that's not all. You can watch them every week uh, over the course of the summer. And with... Sports not really happening in the summer. For those of us who are sports fans, we're really just stuck with baseball, which is a really long season, so it doesn't really seem to get important until about August anyway. Um, It's something that can keep you entertained over the course of the summer as well. So World Cup was awesome. It's always a lot of fun to watch. We have the Olympics next year, and then a few more years we'll have the Men's World Cup and then another Women's World Cup to celebrate. The second thing I want to talk about today is Spider-Man Far From Home. So anyone who's listening who knows me personally, and those of you who don't know me and have been listening, uh, you'll come to find out that I am really interested in and entertained by comic books and comic book-related products. So that includes um, memorabilia, television shows, movies, actual comic books, Uh, It's all very fascinating to me. It's something that I enjoy reading and indulging in. And I was actually introduced to it by my older cousin, and we began going to the midnight premieres, and it was a thing for us for a while, and then midnight premieres started getting earlier. And it's something that I enjoy doing uh, with my friends. And so we had Spider-Man Far From Home come out last Tuesday, technically. 
which was interesting that it came out on a Tuesday, but with it being a holiday weekend and the summer, um, we sometimes see that. I don't remember what movie it was last year, but we had a movie come out on Wednesday, uh, or I believe it was Tuesday again of July 4th weekend, but July 4th was on a Wednesday last year. So getting into it, this is the second Spider-Man movie that has come out through the Sony-Marvel Studios partnership. So in the 90s, Marvel was going bankrupt. They sold the movie rights to X-Men and Spider-Man, uh, X-Men to Fox and Spider-Man to Sony. So we had three original Spider-Man feature films uh, with Tobey Maguire starring as Spider-Man. And then we had Sony try to reboot it with The Amazing Spider-Man with... Andrew Garfield starring as Spider-Man with a slightly different origin story. And then as Marvel has been slowly trying to regain uh, its movie rights to the characters that it has sold, we have had Marvel Studios be able to partner with Sony in producing uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which came out a couple years ago. We also had Spider-Man appear in a couple of Avengers movies. And now the second Spider-Man standalone film from Marvel Studios partnered with Sony was Spider-Man Far From Home. And I am not going to give any spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, because I know it did come out last week. But there are a few things I want to say about it. First, I want to say absolutely go see it. Uh, if you are a fan of Spider-Man, if you're a fan of Marvel's films, if you're a fan of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, absolutely go see it. If you're just looking for a summer movie to be entertained by, even if you didn't watch the first Spider-Man, go see it. I would suggest watching the first Spider-Man first, not because you need to see it, but because it's a really entertaining movie. Uh, but absolutely go see this movie. It's the summer. This is one of the things that people like to do in the summer. A lot of us live where it's really, really hot. And while outdoor activities are fun, it's still nice to spend a couple hours in an air-conditioned movie theater enjoying a movie. So if you're not really into comic books, it's going to be similar to just an action entertainment film, much like going to see Fast and the Furious. Uh, so absolutely go see it. It's really, really well done. It's very funny. It's very smart. It's witty. Take the kids to see it. Uh, it is child-friendly. There's a little bit of blood, which gives it that PG-13 rating, but for the most part, should be fine for most kids. Uh, when I went and saw it, there were tons of kids in the theater. Most of the students that I work with uh, have seen it already. It's really great movie. If you like the first one, it's absolutely better than the first one. Uh, the pacing is phenomenal. Uh, for a superhero movie, one of the things that fans look forward to in the second and sometimes third installment is that you don't have to go through all the dredging of the background of who the hero is and how they get their powers, because that's normally how superhero stories start. So in the second one, because they already have their powers and we've done all of that, generally you can get started very quickly with the action. And this movie is one of the movies that does that. And what they do a fantastic job of is balancing storyline with actual dialogue with action so that you get what feels like equal parts of both. And it doesn't feel like anything's rushed. It doesn't feel like there's too much of anything. There aren't any really slow parts. Uh, they do a really good job of putting everything together so that you get an enjoyable, comprehensive movie uh, with enough action that it feels like a comic book movie and it's entertaining with enough dialogue that we're advancing the story and with enough character development that you care about the characters, which is something that 
comic books originally make you do is you get all of these different incarnations of stories that happens to these characters and you start to actually like these characters for who they are as characters and spider-man does spider-man far from home does a really good job of advancing the story that we got starting in spider-man homecoming with who these characters are and what they're going through so if you haven't seen it absolutely go see it if you have seen it and you know somebody who hasn't maybe go again I'm a fan of sometimes going to see movies twice in theaters. I saw Endgame twice. Uh, I saw Star Wars Episode Seven twice in the same weekend. Um, sometimes it's fun to go see a movie twice. If you're like me and work in schools and sometimes are off during the day or you're off all summer during the day uh, or you like have a random Monday off because you were coming back from traveling, go see a matinee. Cost you five bucks. Really good movie. Uh, if you can't do that, absolutely worth the price of admission. If you are a person who enjoys IMAX with the more full sound and the larger screen, this is a movie that definitely, definitely is worth seeing in IMAX as well. Uh, some of the villains are elemental, which doesn't give away any storylines, I promise. Um, but when you have elementals who are made of water and rock and fire, uh, the better sound that you get in the IMAX just absolutely adds to the experience. So if you haven't so seen Spider-Man Far From Home, absolutely go see it. And if you have, I know you're looking forward to the next installment from Marvel. Now that we've talked about some more light and happy stories, we're going to get into some real news that has a bit of a darker tone, but I feel as though are stories that need to be heard. So in no surprise to most minorities, we have another case of minorities having police called on them for doing something that was not illegal. And in this case, not only was a person not was a person doing something that isn't illegal. He was actually falsely accused of a crime. So in Freeport, Illinois, which for those of us who don't know, which I was one of those people, uh, it's about 100 miles west of Chicago, uh, we had a man named Shaquille Dukes who was 24, on vacation, get sick, and go to a local hospital. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the state of Illinois, Chicago makes up a huge portion of the population of the state, but Illinois is one of the larger states in the Union land-wise, and the culture of the state is as thus. Chicago is very democratic and very diverse, and generally the reason the state goes blue is because the metroland area of Chicago, uh, which is over 6 million people. The rest of the state is a corn state. You can see corn and soybeans being grown literally everywhere in the state that's not within about an hour of the city limits. And as a farming state, you have similar political and social views that you would have in any of the states in the South where we would consider the views to be more race-based and less progressive. That is the general culture of the state of Illinois. As someone who went to a state school that is three and a half hours away from the city and who knows many people who went to schools that were similarly far and sometimes further from the city, uh, this is a culture that we all have seen and 
you can pretty much find it throughout the state. Do you have areas where it's a little bit different? Sure. We have areas like Springfield that's more populated and Peoria that's more populated where the views might be slightly different because larger populations generally equals more diversity, generally changes views. But for the most part, it's a lot of farming towns with what you would expect to see as far as racial makeup and social and political views in these towns. So this is 100 miles away, keep in mind. So close-ish, but not that close. Uh, So as we said, Shaquille Dukes got sick, went to a local hospital, um, and said he had double pneumonia. I'm not sure what the difference between single and double pneumonia is, but I know pneumonia is pretty bad, so he was pretty sick. On the second day, he was feeling a little bit better and asked his doctors or his nurses, yeah, someone, if he was able to go on the walk, go on a walk. Uh, He was told that, yes, that would be fine, um, but he was hooked up to two IVs, which he had to take with him. IVs in a hospital, generally on wheels, and if you've ever been in a hospital, you often see people walking around the unit, rolling IVs. If you have hospitals that have larger campuses, you do sometimes see people outside rolling their IVs, generally with friends or family members, just trying to get some fresh air after being in the hospital for however long. So he went on a walk, uh, and he wasn't alone. He was with his boyfriend and his brother, and so they're walking. He still has his hospital ga- hospital gown on. He's rolling his IV rack um, with an antibiotic IV and a steroid IV to um, attached to it. And they're walking along, and there's a hospital security guard in his car who calls him over. And he calls him over and asks them if, quote, they're trying to leave the hospital and sell IV equipment on eBay. Keep in mind, as I told you, Shaquille is hooked up to these IVs and is still wearing a hospital gown. He does not have on regular clothes. And Shaquille reported that while he was trying to explain himself, the security card called for police backup, saying, quote, I have three black males attempting to steal medical equipment from the hospital. Now, police showed up, arrested all three men, charging them with misdemeanor disorderly conduct. Again, Shaquille was in a hospital gown, hooked up to the IVs. He goes on to report that um, he had an emergency inhaler and police took it. And he actually suffered an asthma attack and his inhaler was his inhaler was withheld from him. He also reports that before being put into the back of the police car, uh, police removed his IVs, not doctors, police removed his IVs. Uh, He was then brought back to the hospital, where the hospital confirmed that he was indeed a patient. He is now filing a complaint against the police department for racial profiling and uh, some false um, charges and I'm sure many other things. Now, there are two issues with this story. The first one is that this story, this event rather, happened on June 9th. The story on CNN that I read was published on July 2nd. So it had been about a month before this really became a news story. And in that time, he's also had various conversations with the police department of Freeport. And according to him, uh, they haven't made progress. They insinuated that he was only doing this for money. And the investigation, the quote investigation that's been happening, uh, he said that it felt like they were doing nothing more than, quote, just blowing smoke. And so this is another case of minorities 
minding their own business, doing things that they actually have business doing, uh, and being falsely accused. Now, what's interesting is, unlike the other situations where the people were doing things that were legal, barbecuing, swimming in a pool, um, napping in a student union where they were a student, in this case, if they were in fact stealing, then it would have been illegal. However, he was in a hospital gown, he was hooked up to the IVs, and he was a patient. So it's slightly different than doing things that are illegal and having somebody call the police on you for no reason. This was somebody assuming that what you're doing is something that, that you're doing with malintent. That if you were doing it and you and they assumed it properly, then you're fine. But if you're doing it and they assume improperly, then it's a crime. And unlike the other situations where it was everyday people, this was a hospital security guard. This was a person who has a bit of authority. This is a person who has a responsibility to maintain safety. And then we also had police get involved and they're supposed to protect citizens. And this man and the two men with him were citizens and opposed to being protected and served, which is what police are supposed to do. They were instead falsely accused um, and then also had their lives put in danger. Uh, Shaquille had an asthma attack and wasn't given his inhaler and then also had two IVs ripped out of his arms, which I'm not a doctor, but as someone who did work in a hospital pharmacy where we filled IVs, have been told how important IVs are, one, when they give them to you, but also how dangerous it can be to just rip them out. You have something attached to your veins that's pumping liquid into your body, and it just gets ripped out. And so the amount of damage that could do to nerves and to veins and whatever else the police would have been responsible for and didn't really care about in that moment. They just decided that they were going to do this. And this is one of those occurrences that, unfortunately, to many African Americans and Hispanics and other people who were persecuted, is not a shock to us. We are used to hearing stories like this. We halfway expect these things to happen once every couple of weeks. But there will be people out there most of them will probably be white in descent, where they will be shocked that this could happen and want to know more and say, and the first questions they will ask will be of the victim and what he was doing to make it look like he was stealing. Maybe he was walking too fast, blah, 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 blah. And that's a problem. If people are consistently being persecuted for, persecuted and prosecuted for doing nothing wrong, or for people assuming that what they're doing is wrong, that's a problem. When I can't barbecue with my family in a park without somebody calling the police on me, that's a problem. When somebody assumes that just because I have hospital equipment outside of the hospital that I'm stealing it, that's a problem. Uh, what if I'm a hospital employee and I need to take this to another hospital? Because that happens sometimes. They, and they assume I'm stealing it and I don't even get a chance to show them my hospital badge. Like Things like this happen all the time. And the fact that there are people who are still shocked is a problem. And the fact that the people who the people who are in the group that this repeatedly happens to are not shocked is also a problem. 
And the only way that we can really solve this problem is through conversation. But unfortunately, in our country, the culture is don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion, which means when it comes time to fix these things, we have not been trained on how to have these conversations with people of differing viewpoints where it is okay to agree to disagree, but you should still at least hear the other person out. We may feel their viewpoint is completely wrong. They may feel our viewpoint is completely wrong, but that does not mean that all the viewpoints should not be heard. And being able to have a conversation is where the solution starts. And until we can do that, we're going to continue to have stories where you have blacks and Hispanics and oftentimes people of Middle Eastern descent or people who at least look like they're of Middle Eastern descent being persecuted for doing absolutely nothing wrong. The last story we're going to talk about today comes to us from Procter & Gamble. For those of you who don't know, Procter & Gamble, or as most people recognize it, P&G is a cosmetics company, um, and they have been doing some work uh, that kind of actually has to do with our last story. Uh, So they've produced two commercials recently, uh, one that they're calling The Talk, and another one that they're calling The Look. Now, most people, when they hear the term The Talk, they think what is normally referred to in American culture as the birds and the bees, which is when people sit down and talk to their children about sex. However, for this commercial, it is a different talk. And this was actually brought to my attention by one of my friends who was white, where she brought it up and said that she'd seen the commercial and what she appreciated about it was that she... As someone who has a lot of African-American and Hispanic friends, knew that there were times that parents of minorities have to have conversations with their children that her parents never had to have with her. But she really couldn't understand the weight of it from just hearing about it from her friends because she obviously wasn't there. And what she appreciated about the commercial was being able to watch parents have those conversations with their kids. And so I watched the commercial, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Mostly because it did a really good job of representing what many minorities have experienced throughout their life. Um, Most of the conversations that were represented in that commercial, I've either had with my parents, heard my parents have with my sister, um, heard my grandparents have with my parents, had with my grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever. Uh, There are various things that our parents feel like we should know. There are reassurances that we need. There are life lessons that we learn. And a lot of them... uh, I would say are unfair in nature in that they're conversations that should not have to be had. If you haven't watched the commercial, um, black or not, absolutely watch it. Uh, It's very enjoyable and heartwarming for those of us who've been through that. And it can be enlightening, as you saw from my first story, for people who have not had to have those talks. Uh, It varied from talks about beauty and how beauty is represented and looked at Uh, If you're an African-American in terms of mainstream, it talked about uh, safety when it comes to police. It talked about 
opportunities um, that may or may not come due to skin color. And they also did a really good job of showing that this is not something that only used to happen and only currently happens where you had clearly based on the costuming of the uh, characters in the commercial a variance in time period as well where you went back and it looked like just post-slavery to what was clearly like the 70s to what was clearly the 90s and today and they went through kind of fluidly all of these time periods showing that these are all different conversations that parents have to have and it's really something that most people who are not of color are not aware of and they had some nice hashtags at the end and they had like a nice message at the end that was something to the effect of let's talk about bias so people can stop having the talk um and so it was really really awesome to see that partner gamma was doing that and they've gotten a lot of praise from the black community for this and I didn't dig to see if there was any backlash, mostly because I kind of just didn't want to know. I wanted to be able to just appreciate what the company had done in terms of trying to raise awareness uh, for implicit bias that does absolutely exist. And I'm sure if I did enough digging, there would be people who will be upset about it because that's just kind of the time in which we live, where we have the outrage police, where no matter how good or noble something seems to some people there are other people who are going to be upset with it uh they also released a second commercial called the look which was interesting because it talks about a different part of bias so in the first one it mostly focused on how african americans specifically are prepared to live in a society where they are often viewed as unequal or not as deserving or any other biased opinion viewpoint you can think of in the look their second commercial they focused on how that attitude is sometimes manifested um either explicitly where it's very obvious that this is how this person feels or implicitly where they don't even think about it and so this one was more of a singular story where it shows a black man and it starts with him in bed and then just kind of goes through him going through activities that you would do in every day. It looks like he's teaching someone how to swim in one of them. He's sitting at a diner in another one, Um, just kind of like walking through life. He walks into what looks like a tailored suit shop of some kind. Um, So it's following him through this, but what they're focusing on isn't so much what he's doing as it is the reactions that he's receiving. And so the reason why it's called The Look is because he, often from white people, actually I believe every person who they did was, who they showed rather was some form of white. The guy in the the tailor shop looked kind of European, but in America still white. Um, And he received either looks of disgust or... Like in the suit shop looks of like you don't belong here or why are you here or what have you. And so it was highlighting a different form of bias in that not only are our parents and our family members trying to prepare us for this world that seems to not want us. But also those preparations are actually necessary where you I'm sure some of the backlash from the commercial the talk had something to do with oh, they're having that conversation, but that's not necessary. We live in a post-racial society. We've had a black president, blah, 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 blah. 
And in the look, what they're showing is these conversations are happening because these events are happening. And so you have somebody who gets shown a seat in the diner that's one table over from him, and they choose to sit somewhere completely differently. He walks into a suit shop with expensive suits, and people follow him around and see if he's going to steal anything or question what his profession is that makes it so that he can afford suits like that and plenty of things like that. Um, And at the end of the commercial... They show him at work, and it turns out that he has a very prestigious job that I'm not going to give away because I want you guys to watch the commercial. But the point is, all of these places where he was, he belonged. He was doing nothing wrong. He had a job that allowed him to afford expensive suits. He has a right to be at a pool teaching someone how to swim. Him sitting in a diner is not does not make the diner implicitly dangerous or the area near him implicitly dangerous and yet and still people still treated him this way and i appreciate procter and gamble for shining a light on these things that are occurring in our society that a lot of people try to deny and i'm sure even after the commercials will continue to try to deny but when the people and in this case companies who have a platform to spread messages are spreading messages of truth and messages of ugly truth that people don't want to see. All it does is give me just a little bit more hope for society that someday we will be able to have the conversations that will eventually lead to the place where a lot of people think that we already are, which is post-racial where the color of my skin or my name or my origin has no effect on how I'm viewed and what I can accomplish. But wait! There's more. Hang on to your seat, baby, because this one's a screamer. For this week's But Wait, There's More, um, I want to get into a topic that has been broached by a lot of black people over the course of time, but it's something I felt like addressing due to some things that have happened recently. And it kind of has to do with some of the topics that we've talked about today. Um, But I'll explain. So I work in a school and I also have a part time job where I work in a restaurant. Um, And anyone who has worked in a restaurant knows oftentimes in the kitchen there's music playing to kind of pass the time because the work in the kitchen can get pretty monotonous as opposed to the work in the actual restaurant where the customers are. And so my manager was playing music that was kind of alternative rock alternative yeah about probably considered alternative rock from like 2003 to like 2010 or something um which is music that i enjoy and so me being the happy disposition person that i am i was singing probably most if not eh, most of the songs not quite all of the songs but probably 90 percent of the songs for sure and one of my coworkers made a comment and said, you're whiter than I am. And at the time, I wasn't able to address it. Um, And then another song came on, and more songs, and later in the night, he said, no, seriously. And so at that point, I was able to address it, and very briefly, and not like I'm about to do now, but very briefly explained to him that he does not get to define my blackness. He does not get to define what it means to be black and therefore cannot say that I am anything but black. 
And without me being able to get into it, uh, he was pretty caught off guard and immediately apologized. And I don't know if he fully realized why what he did was wrong, but it at least seemed like he wasn't going to do it again, which I appreciated. But what I'm going to get into is for those of you who are not black and even for those of you who are, stop trying to define the blackness of others. What it means to be black does not actually have to do with the music that I choose to listen to, the television shows that I choose to watch, the movies that I choose to watch, the things that I choose to read. None of that has to do with my blackness. My blackness is not for you to define. If I know who I am and I know what my culture means to me and I participate in that culture in the way that I choose to, you cannot say that I am more or less black than you. The fact that you speak an ancient African language and wear different dashiki to work every day and only listen to hip-hop and trap music and only follow black people and blah, 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 doesn't make you more black. In the same way that me listening to Fall Out Boy or reading comic books or dressing up and going to Comic-Con doesn't make me less black. How black I am is simply defined by the fact that, much like we talked about earlier, none of my interests protect me from the way that I am viewed in this society. No amount of education will affect the way that I'm viewed in this society. No amount of money that I make will affect the way that I'm viewed in this society. My everyday struggle is the same as the everyday struggle of the other black people who are interested in things that are considered, quote-unquote, more black. Not to mention that having a varied interest in things such as reading material and movies and music doesn't mean that I don't also indulge myself in things that are considered to be black. The fact that I can sing Fall Out Boys doesn't mean that I can't also sing slash rap Biggie Smalls doesn't mean that I can't sing and slash rap Two Chains doesn't mean that I can't sing slash rap Yolanda Ad- or sing Yolanda Adams or Donnie McClurkin or Kirk Franklin things that are considered to be more black because I choose to indulge myself in not just what's considered to be my culture but the culture of others and enjoy that because music is awesome and going to plays that are about me is as awesome as plays that are not about me. That just means that I choose to expand my knowledge and my horizons and seek to understand the world, not just from my perspective. And you only understanding the world from your perspective and what you consider to be black, especially if you're white, considering that for most of you, your viewpoints on what is black is colored by white people anyway, because it's based on mainstream media, which is owned, operated, constructed, and perpetuated by white people. You can't define my blackness because most of the things that you assume to be black, you were told by white people anyway. Most of them being old white men, old white men who have no idea what it means to be black. So if you're someone who has black friends, or you are a black person, please stop trying to define what it means to be black. 
don't say that I talk white because I'm educated. Because by saying that, especially if you're a white person, you're inherently saying that black people are less intelligent than white people and do not possess the ability to speak properly. And so for us to do that is inherently white, not something that our people can do. That's a problem because you're literally saying that all black people are stupid. Don't say that I'm an Oreo for doing something because I'm white on the inside and black on the outside because my interests, again, do not define me culturally, A. And B, most of you do that when we dress a certain way or talk a certain way, which again is inherently saying that black people cannot be that. And generally those things are things that are desired. And that's not okay. And you can say all, all you want, oh, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. But when you perpetuate racist ideals, you are, in fact, being racist. And you should know that. And it's not your fault if you have never been told and you have done it. Here's your chance to change it. Now, if somebody has told you and you've ignored it and you've continued to do that, that's on you. And that's something that you need to reflect upon. And you don't get to be mad. For a lot of us... Blacks and whites alike. We are not fully aware, unless someone has told us, the amount of negative ideals we have towards minorities. And it's because a lot of it is really, really quiet and very implicit, and we're not aware that we're being shoved these ideals. Good example being Disney and princesses. And we didn't get our first black princess first black Disney princess, excuse me, until 2009 when we got Tiana, which meant that for a lot of people, their only viewpoints of a princess was either Disney or like Princess Diana, all of whom are white, which kind of implicitly means to a child, black people cannot be a princess. The closest thing we got was when they gave us Lion King because it took place in Africa and those were animals. And even that had tropes in that the royal family were the lighter lions and Scar was an outcast and he was the darkest lion in the entire colony. Which not only has to do with white people and black people, but also the tropes about light skinned black people versus dark skinned black people. So again, they tried to do it, didn't really work. And now we have. Disney announcing that Halle Bailey is going to be the new Ariel in the live-action Little Mermaid. And we literally have white people trying to prove with science why black people can't be mermaids. Please explain how you can use real science to talk about mystical creatures and say that they can't be something. Mermaids are not real. Therefore, you cannot cannot apply the real principles of actual science to something that is made up in a children's story. Not to mention, in said children's story, we have talking fish, talking crabs, an octopus woman who steals the voice of a mermaid and gives her feet, and then she can't talk unless she kisses a dude and he falls in love. All of this is completely fantastical and makes absolutely zero logical sense. So stop trying to apply logic and say, oh, well, the sun doesn't reach that far. So blah, 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 blah. Well, then if that were the case, uh, her sisters who have different shades of hair color and different skin tones would also not make sense. Um, It's a movie. It's a children's movie. Do not be upset that they made Ariel black. 
considering that mermaids are not real. It's not the same argument that you have with Frozen, where that part of the world, which there was like somewhere where it talks about where all the Disney princesses are from based on a bunch of geographical stuff, which is fine. Where those people are white, fine. I'll give you that. It's a mermaid. It's not real. If she's black, oh well. These things happen. It's fine. The people who are on the movie think that she will do a very good job acting. Anyone who's heard her sing knows her voice is amazing. and She'll be able to sing the songs. It'll be fine. It's not that big a deal. But those types of issues are issues that all black people have to deal with. Regardless of where we were brought up, how much money our parents have, how much money we make, where we went to school... All of those things are issues that we all have to deal with equally. We are all running the same race. And although some of us started a little further along, none of us started as far along as our white counterparts. And for that reason, black people stop trying to define the blackness of other black people and white people absolutely stop trying to define ours. Because our journey is our journey and all you're doing is making what's already a more difficult journey than yours harder. And that's not for you to do. Either be on our side, which I would love, but if for whatever reason you don't want to do that, then do nothing at all and be neutral. But it's not your place to make my life harder, especially when it has nothing to do with the advancement of yours. Because I'm not out here trying to make yours harder. I'm trying to get mine. And as an African-American in this society, we don't even have the time, energy, effort to try to make your life harder because we're so busy trying to reach the same goals with significantly less footing. And also, for the record, equality is not necessarily equity. So stop thinking that just giving you and me the same opportunities is going to make it so that it's equal because if my starting place is further behind than yours and we each get an extra 50 yards to start, I'm still further behind than you are. Please understand the difference between equality and equity and understand that some people need more than other people based on their starting point, and that's okay. And a lot of it is due to a history of not only implicit but explicit racism in this country anyway. So stop trying to define my blackness. Stop trying to stop me from achieving goals. Understand that my achievements do not inhibit yours and... It's also okay if mermaids are black. That's all I've got for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, As always, subscribe, rate, review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, please follow. If you're listening on SoundCloud, go ahead and like and leave a comment if you want. Uh, If you are on Apple Podcasts and you don't want to leave five stars, please just don't review at all. Kind of what we talked about. Don't try to trip me up in reaching my goals. If you really don't like it or like something I said, you can DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, I'm at dub R D U B the letter R sixteen on Instagram and dub R sixteen seventeen on Twitter. If you have positive comments, negative comments, leave them there. If I get anything interesting, I'll read it. Um, and a little cleanup we're actually going to try to do well, I'm going to try to do my first ever interview next week uh, my friend Fran attended the knockout stages of the Women's World Cup last week and she actually just got back on Monday so obviously really busy this week after being gone for 10 days but we're going to try to get around for next week uh, and get a first person account of what it's like to be at the Women's World Cup 
Uh, thanks again for listening and later days. Thank you.